0: Howdy, and welcome back to Point of Rentals, The Front Porch. If you haven't stopped by before, you can find the rest of our conversations with pointers and friends in the rental industry at pointofrental.com porch. I am not Lauren Jewel. In fact, by the time you hear this, there will be no more Lauren Jewel. That's what we call a tease. Welcome to The Front Porch with Brian Beaudry Today, we'll talk to the person responsible for what's happening here on the porch, her fiancé right now, but husband, by the time you hear what he has to say, Ben Mohork. Welcome to the front porch. Hello. So, who are you? Where are you from? And what do you do here at Point of Rental? I hear it's some type of developing.
1: Yeah, so Ben Mohork, uh, been in Arlington all my life, went away for college for about two years, didn't quite finish, came back and uh, started as an intern here, Um, started actually with IT, um working on just a little bit of internal stuff with the uh like the call center trying to make some of the programs to for call times and wait times and stuff like that, and then was able to weasel my way onto an essentials dev team project um where i would i was i think I was supposed to spend maybe half my time or a quarter of my time working on that by the time that uh they realized that and assigned me to the essentials team full time I was already working with the essentials team full time
0: and basically ran from there all right well we'll get into more of this later but for now please name as many mammals native to texas as you can think of off the top of your head
1: so there's deer and the main deer in texas are whitetail and axis and then there's hogs so you have the wild boar which is the common one and then there's pickeries and javelinas squirrels armadillos possums you you got our little ones like mice rats all those yeah, uh, there's pronghorns. You can get red deer up north a bit. Those are, I think, most of the big ones. I'm probably missing a couple.
0: I would say that's a uh, that's a good list. All right, let's get into your career. So, what did you want to be growing up?
1: I really wanted to be a pilot. I had gone to a pilot's like a summer camp where I learned how to fly, or at least I did a couple flight lessons. I was I think 14 at the time and was able to do a solo then. So I was the only one piloting the plane, and I'd just, I'd only flown for like four days previously, and they let me fly by myself. I was scared to death, but I really enjoyed it, Um, and so when I got back from the camp, I finished my pilot's license, so I do have a private pilot's license, and then I realized if I wanted to keep flying, I have to pay for it, and so I haven't flown since. Um, Yeah, it stops
0: being (laughs) as fun when you have to pay for it.
1: Yes, no, it was, uh, my parents helped out with the education part, but once it got to just flying for fun, that was all on me, and so that, someday I hope to be able to do that again, but I haven't done that since, but... I went to an aeronautical school and they had a bunch of uh, cybersecurity and I was actually supposed to meet with a pilot instructor or professor, I don't know what you'd call him, but basically to learn to be a pilot and they scheduled me with the wrong professor and it was for cybersecurity and I was talking to him and I'm like, oh, this stuff is actually really cool. And I had done a couple high school programming courses, so I was familiar with programming stuff in general, but ended up realizing that you know I I enjoy flying, but I also really enjoy software and coding and it's kind of merged into that kind of just by happenstance interesting
0: it's weird how some of these things work out and it's like i had this plan and then you know just one day an accident happened yeah and, i mean oh. i
1: also wanted to be an astronaut I, I guess if we go really far back before i uh will that well you know once pilot was my first job that i actually was working for i growing up i think i probably always wanted to be an astronaut space is pretty cool yeah but that requires an obscene amount of dedication that at least I didn't have when I was a kid. I like to think I've got a little more now, but.
0: <laughs> that requires a lot of dedication and some luck as well. Like there's a lot of competition for those. Oh, no, slots. for
1: sure. It's like a 20-year career
0: path to then be among a 1,000 where they're going to yeah. select 10. Did you just want to get into the small planes or did you want to even go bigger or um, fighter pilot or what?
1: I guess I hadn't really thought of that a ton other than I really enjoyed flying. <laughs> it's like, I just
0: want to be in the air. I don't
1: yeah, know. no, it was, you know, the way I think most people do it is they go military because the military will pay for your flying, which is way better than paying for it yourself. Um, and I, I hadn't really ever thought of it much more other than just I really enjoy flying. And I guess at some point I realized that, there'll be opportunities to do that in my life if I make that a priority and I also enjoy software and that probably has a little better uh, work life balance and longevity and just general career arc I think is a little more stable you know I mean especially now you can see how many pilots have been laid off so I've been uh, glad to go the software route
0: for sure well i mean you already mentioned your internship but i was going to introduce this as i remember once upon a time when you joined us as an intern did you have previous jobs or which one if if you did which one's your favorite
1: yeah, I had had a couple. You see, my call them summer jobs. They weren't. Uh, none of them were full time. One year, there's a. For those of you who aren't in the Arlington area, we have the Rangers ballpark and it's five minutes from my house. And so one summer I walked up there for the job fair and they said, hey, do you want to uh, scoop ice cream or carry all those heavy water trays and stuff up and down the aisles selling it to customers? And I said, well, scooping ice cream sounds like a much better idea. So they put me high end counter scooping ice cream. They're like, and we'll put you on the sweet level, which I thought was awesome. Right. I'm thinking sweets, better tips. Well, what they don't tell you is that on the sweet level, everyone pays for ice cream with a prepaid coupon. And so you know, I'd make minimum wage for six hours a night and walk home with forty bucks. And those people carrying those carts of water up and down all the stairs would walk home with two hundred, three hundred dollars. And I think there were a couple games during the summer when it was one hundred and ten degrees, where I was happy to be in the AC. But most of the time, I think I wished that I had done the harder work. I guess it pays off, but yeah, I did enjoy it. It was fun. I ate a lot of blue whale for free, so that was a, nice. definitely a perk. That is always
0: a perk. What was your other one, or did what did you just do that two summers?
1: I, I mean, I've done some. With like our family business helping out some filing and whatnot, my dad pretty much fired me one year because <laughs> I was helping out and I think I was goofing off more than helping, um, kind of taking advantage of. That's what you would expect from you a know, kid. <laughs> being a kid at a, a parent's workplace. And uh, I think the person who was managing me was afraid to say anything about it. And when my dad got wind of it, he basically walked over and, and fired me because um, he wasn't about to have, I guess, a lazy son. Um, which I guess it's a good life lesson to learn. Um, and I suppose it's better to learn it there than,
0: out in the real job. So, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, that was a pretty funny one before then. So scooping ice cream and getting fired by your dad. How did you discover Point of Rental?
1: The church I had gone to growing up um was the same church that the Harrises went to, and so after I had gone to college for two years and. I'd done really well in all my programming courses and didn't actually go to any of the other classes other than my programming classes, which turns out isn't a great way to get through college. And so I was back home at the summer, basically trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And my parents were having dinner with the Harrises and invited me along. And I just remember thinking, you know, I've kind of liked the software idea. I knew that uh, Mr. Harris or Wayne Harris did... I've always called him Mr. because I knew him when I was, you know, a little kid. I knew he did some sort of software stuff and... So I just asked him, hey, can I maybe come to Pointer Rental one day and talk to some of your developers? Just see what the developer career or life looks like because it's something I would be interested in. And he actually hooked me up with um, Robert Bugner and IT, his information. And I thought I was coming up here just to look and see what it looks like on a software company behind the doors. And I ended up with an internship off of that. And then I quickly realized that I may have been able to uh, kind of get this internship with some connections. But I was thinking back to my dad when he fired me, I was like, well, man, if I don't work my butt off, I'm just gonna be an intern. I'm never gonna be something more. So I had to start working and make sure I stayed.
0: <laughs> Clearly it worked, so that's good. That kind of addresses the next question. So w- what have you been able to pull from some of your previous jobs or even even some of your flight experience in college that's really helped you in your point of career? I guess getting fired by my dad, I
1: realized that, you know, connections are nice, but if you don't put the work in, it doesn't matter. And so I think that was a a good life lesson. My dad managed to teach a lot of those in a roundabout way. I don't think I appreciated it as a kid, but I'm definitely appreciating them now. The thing I really liked about flying the most that, you know, kind of correlates to job is that, you know, when you're up in the air and you're flying, you can't just stop. You have to land the plane.
0: Okay. What's your favorite part of working here? Oh, you Lauren? I was going to say, I don't know if we're allowed to go with that one. So let's go with, besides Lauren, what's your favorite part of working here?
1: Okay, well, man, I have to think about it now a bit.
0: Yeah, we like to delve into the
1: deeper <laughs> parts. I really enjoy the Essentials team that I get to work with. I think a lot of people figure devs as being a bit introverted. And I mean, we definitely like to sit in our corner and not be disturbed very much. But it's a very fun group of guys I get to work with. We sometimes stay here late at night with, Pizza and Mountain Dew just pounding out some fun thing for the ARA.
0: Living up to some stereotypes.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. They're they're there for a reason. But it's a really great team that I get to work with. And Robert and Wayne and everyone will talk together and say, here's what we want our program to do. And they'll give us the overarching plan. And then we'll talk amongst each other, the ones who are actually having to do the development work, and figure out what is the best way to achieve this goal. And obviously, Robert and Wayne have both come from programming experiences. But at the end of the day, like I get to have ownership of the project, which is... It's nice. I enjoy it.
0: What is your five year plan?
1: When I first started, I think my five year plan was just trying to get a foothold in the career path where I could have just a stable career. That was kind of my five year goal. I'm like, okay, in five years, if I could just have a stable career where I can support myself, that would be great. And so three and a half years later, I'm getting married and starting a life with Lauren and just that whole process. And so I guess for five years, you know, we just bought a house. We're hoping to stay in the area and kind of just starting to make our home and life together. So that's kind of my big focus for the next five years is, you know, I'm getting married. I figure that should probably be the most important thing in my life is getting a good foundation. Spoilers. They're terrible, but people that won't allow you to talk about the thing you just saw because you'll spoil it for them are also frustrating. Why, it's nearly impossible to have a conversation these days. But you can talk to your point-of-rental software without worrying that it'll reveal key plot points to the movies or TV shows you haven't seen. Our software is physically unable to talk, so even if it's seen the movie before, it'll never spoil a moment or ask to stifle your excitement. When you need to talk, you can count on point-of-rental software.
0: Alright, we're back. So, why are you stealing Lauren learning from us?
1: Well, if you guys haven't met Lauren, she's absolutely amazing. I'm surprised that I was uh, able to get to her before any of the other single guys here at work. She's absolutely awesome and just – she's great. And I'm – yeah, this is just – I'm just blubbering over here. Um,
0: yeah, it is pretty Trying funny.
1: to come up with words a little more – endearing or i guess that's okay we'll, than awesome but we'll allow you to
0: focus on more details <laughs> rather than necessarily trying to go with the overarching things because it's it's hard to come up with a bunch of synonyms for great and wonderful and amazing yeah i
1: don't, I don't know enough
0: words so, so let's get into more <laughs> stories so i'm sure you are told that relationships with people that you work with is a bad idea i mean everyone says that at what point did you decide to ignore everyone who may have said that and at what point did you decide i'm i'm ask out so there was
1: probably for about four or five months before I actually asked her out, where I was like, hey, this Lauren girl's kind of cute. She's nice. I had a, you know, I talked to her a little bit just at the in the kitchen areas and whatnot. And I was talking to some friends about it. And finally, after about four months, I think a friend just told me, he's like, Ben, you've been talking about Lauren to me for the past four months. You can find another job, but are you going to find another Lauren? And I was like, oh, he's got a good point. And so at that point, I uh, still was scared to death and took me about another like two or three weeks, but I finally uh, worked out the courage to uh, ask her out and it was a good decision.
0: And here we are. Okay. So tell us about your first date and then I guess we can start talking about you.
1: So uh, we went to a NASCAR um, or I guess a sprint car race. So that's on a dirt track. It's, the cars have really big um, boilers for a lot of drag, and it's just a dirt oval track. I've been to a couple of NASCAR events at the Speedway, but I'd never been to a, a dirt track race. And so I just remember I was looking up, I think I was Googling things to do in Arlington, and I saw this come up. I'm like, oh, that's kind of fun. I feel like she's mentioned before that her family likes NASCAR or something. And so I was like, cool, that's a good start. It's just a fun event to go do. And, and so I was wanting to, you know, to impress didn't know anything about dirt track racing. I bought front row tickets because that's what you do when you're trying to impress a girl. Is you try to buy the front row tickets. It didn't occur to me like why those would be the only tickets left. Every time the cars go by, they throw dirt right onto the front row, and so we had a uh, we had a very dirty first date.
0: Um, From what I've been told by Lauren, you love sausage parties. That you try to have a few of them every year. So tell me a little bit more about your sausage parties.
1: Yes. So I enjoy hunting a lot, and so I. Uh, every year I harvest quite a few animals. I think uh, I had about five deer last year. And so every year me and my friends, we get together and it's the new season. We have to clear space in our freezer. And so we'll take all the deer from last year that we haven't managed to eat because we'll keep everything in deer quarters and um, we'll grind it all up and we'll turn it into sausage. And we kind of jokingly call it a sausage party because a bunch of us guys get together and make sausage, right? I mean, by the definition, yeah, I think... Yeah, what
0: else would you call it? I mean,
1: Webster's agrees with me, I think, <laughs> that that would be a sausage party. I think last year we made, and one night, I think we started about two or three in the afternoon finished at like one in the morning. We made about 200 pounds of
0: sausage. It's a long sausage party.
1: And so, yes, it was a lot of sausage.
0: Well, so the two people that I know that uh, know you best say that we should discuss hunting. But I don't really have anything to d- contribute to such a discussion. So let's just get straight into your big buck story.
1: Yeah. So I actually got the biggest buck I ever got um, last year. So I had a friend who has a ranch out near Possum Kingdom Lake. So it's about two hours from here. So me and a friend, we drove out there. We were going to spend the weekend there. And most of the times when I'm hunting, I normally am not going for trophies. I really enjoy the, you know, harvesting the meat. I, I do all my own butchering. I just, I really enjoy that process of from kill to table, knowing where the meat was for every step of the process. I just enjoy being able to do that all myself. And I remember one day I'd gone out. We were all morning. It was cold. I hadn't seen anything. I think this was probably the third day of the hunt. And so we get back to the cabin, and I'm sitting there making breakfast. So you know, at this point, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt, making some eggs. My friend's watching who knows what on the television, and I just look out the window, and there's a feeder about 150 yards from the cabin, and I see a deer there, and I don't think twice about it. There's always deer there, and whatever. And my friend looks at it, and He goes to get his binoculars and looks at it and he goes, hey Ben, you should look at this deer. And so I go look at this deer and I look at that, I'm like, that is a big deer, I should get my gun. Uh, He cracked open the door to the cabin and I shot. The deer fell, we closed the door to the cabin, I finished cooking breakfast. I then had to change into all my hunting gear, that way I looked like I was doing something when we took all the photos. And yeah, we went and collected the deer later and it scored uh, 155 points. For people who know hunting animals, for everyone else, it was uh, 10 points, so five on each side.
0: Have you ever hunted animals via more traditional methods, like with a bow and arrow, or perhaps clubbing one?
1: I have not clubbed an animal. (laughs) Well, I say that.
0: It seems much harder to do. (laughs) I have attempted
1: to club some animals, namely raccoons. Uh, Raccoons are absolute
0: menaces. Yeah. Um, They kind of ask for it.
1: No, I actually uh, enjoy archery, and so I'll do bow hunting every year. And so I've gotten three I have gotten 3 i will normally get about one deer a year with bow and then the remaining, you know, four or whatnot with my gun. It's just it it's like the reason I enjoy butchering and everything myself. It's I like knowing that I can do some of the stuff without help for others and bows are just kind of further down that path of you know, I've watched YouTube videos on how to make a bow and I'm sure I could attempt to do it and fail horribly, but <laughs> I don't think I can make a gun. So yeah.
0: There's kind of that whole like process versus result type thing where it's like, yeah, I like the process, but the result of the gun is better. But the process of the bow, you just enjoy more. Oh, for
1: sure. And also bow hunting is a lot more difficult because, you know, you're 20 yards away from the deer and now you have to move to pull back your bow. Um, And then oftentimes, once you pull back your bow, you actually have to hold it for like 30 seconds, hoping that the deer gets into a position where you can take a clean shot. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to fill my freezer. And so I want to do the most reliable way possible.
0: You got to make, you got to get enough meat so you can have those sausage parties. Uh, Yeah,
1: (laughs) I know. Our sausage party, we had two sausage parties scheduled this year and there's like four friends and both times they got canceled uh, because of COVID. So I have a a lot of meat in my freezer that needs to be uh, made into sausage. (laughs) So I'll be scheduling a sausage party soon.
0: Oh, well, good. That's, that was going to be a thing that I questioned later, but so you're moving into a new house. Let's talk about this new house.
1: I don't think Lauren's going to let me have sausage parties in our house.
0: Oh, dang. I was, <laughs> I was just going to i was gonna ask, when is your first sausage party planned for at your new house?
1: Who knows? Um, I don't have the industrial meat grinder that my friend has, so we always oh. do it at his house. That seems you know, like a good thing to I, I have to go a towards. little kind of KitchenAid one. It could maybe do <laughs> tops, five pounds of meat.
0: Okay, so the original first question after we're going to talk about your house is, when is everyone invited for housewarming? Uh, let's do it after this episode airs so that we can invite everyone who listened to this
1: come over I'm excited to have guests. Um, I really enjoy cooking. I put a grill on our wedding registry just kind of for fun. It was a definitely way out of the price limit of yeah that was anything above else. my range so I was like nah oh no i didn't I didn't expect anyone to get it. I just kind of put it there because there's always a little thing in your back of your mind well, maybe somebody will and one of lauren's uncles who we've we've met, she's met once, actually ended up getting it for us. And so I'm super excited to use it. Yeah. Come over, check it out. We actually uh, had the Chick-fil-A lady uh, yesterday wanting to come visit our house because she knew both Lauren and I, because we go to Chick-fil-A a a lot, it's right by the office and you should go to Chick-fil-A a a lot. Um, And she knew both Lauren and I, and then one time we went together and she put two and two together. And so she was so excited and she's always happy to see us. And so we're like, Hey, yeah, once your house is done, come on over. And so you know, I'm sure if, if I'm inviting the Chick-fil-A lady, everyone from Point of Rental is welcome to show up. At least, you know, may, maybe ask me beforehand to make sure I'm home or something. Yeah, give but like a
0: heads up at least. You know, be, no. be polite.
1: Come over. Hang out. Doors open.
0: Uh, I was told to ask about the accommodations that are arranged for Louis, Lauren's cat.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Well, I'm not necessarily the most excited about a cat. I think it's also partly because Lewis is not super fond of me. He always runs away. But the second Lewis makes it into my house, I'm going to spoil the heck out of him. I'm going to make him like me, and he's going to sit with me. And he'll either like me and sit with me, or I'm going to feed him so many treats that he'll get so fat that he won't be able to run away. Smart. So one of those two will work.
0: Okay. So there's a new imaginary TV show where a famous chef comes to your house and cooks a meal against you for your house. It's like racing cars for pink slips, and it's super weird, and it seems a little unethical for this chef to acquire property this way. But let's say you get to pick the meal to challenge him with in order to keep your new house. What meal would you cook?
1: I really like uh, when I'm cooking wild game to keep it kind of carnal. It's, you know, it's wild game. It's not something you can buy at the store. So if you just grind it up and put it in a pasta sauce or something, sure, it's going to be great pasta sauce, but that's because it's homemade, not because it's with deer. And so, I really, um, probably my favorite way to cook deer, which I don't get to do as much as I would like to, just because it involves cooking an entire quarter of a deer at once. And you have to have, it's, you a, don't little, have it, it's a little
0: much for it's, a it's, dinner or two. Yeah,
1: it's a little much for a dinner or two. And it takes a while. But I normally kind of uh, almost barbecue type style. But uh, obviously, you don't cook deer as long.
0: Obviously. <laughs> well, you know. It,
1: <laughs> There's no fat in deer whatsoever, so if there's if you cook it for long, the fat doesn't, you know, like on a beef, if you cook beef for a long time, the fat will uh, render out, drip the meat, make everything juicy and flavorful. On deer, it just gets cooked and dry. I like to take an entire, the back deer leg, so those things can be, you know, a good 20 pounds of meat. And I'll normally do some sort of dry rub, and I'll use whatever type of fat I have on the hand bacon, duck, whatever, basically just leftovers from something else I was cooking, and I'll mix that with broth and inject the meat all over, and then I'll stick it on the grill and turn it every, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. Grilling is not a science. The meat cooks when the meat cooks. You just kind of—I'm sure you can use all those fancy sensors and everything. But yeah, I've, I've
0: heard a phrase that's called uh, cooking is an art, baking is a science, because baking you have to get the exact proportions. Yes, I know.
1: Yeah. I've tried—I enjoy kind of where everything's a little bit, oh, you add this much spice, and, you know— there's a, you know, you add a pinch of salt or something, and you go to baking and it's like, add 1 18th of an ounce. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know what that is.
0: <laughs> Damn, um, I didn't know I needed a calculator for this. But
1: uh, yeah, after three or four hours, you take it out and let it sit. I guess it's a little more like prime rib, um, more than a barbecue. I don't really care about the sides, but yeah, my go to is generally just kind of some sort of like root vegetables, cut them up, olive oil salt, pepper, maybe a little bit of maple syrup or brown sugar or something to add a little bit of sweetness, put it in the oven and 30 minutes before you want to eat and you're good to go.
0: That sounds uh, pretty and delicious.
1: Well, you know, come over one day.
0: Someday. Uh, let's do a follow-up for to the question from that first section. Please list the aniv- animal... Oh, I know how to talk. Please list the animals native to Texas that you've hunted down.
1: So there's... Oh, I forgot. Uh, when I had to list animals earlier, I didn't list things that I've hunted. That's a bit small. Anyways. So white-tailed deer... Um, and hogs. Uh, all the wild boars, so that's the Eurasian descent. Done a good bit of squirrels and raccoons and po- really anything that climbs in a tree. And then I've actually uh, was in the San Antonio area and shot a Corsican ram. Dove and ducks and the birds that fly through. That's been for the most part what I've done in Texas. Texas has the largest um, number of exotic animals anywhere in the world. It's warm enough and dry enough that you know most the animals in the you know, African Sahara area can live in Texas, but it also stays cool enough that, say, bigger animals that live in cool weather, like elk and stuff, they can also live in Texas. And I say live, they can't; they wouldn't be able to exist wild. Yeah. But there's a lot of ranches that will have all these animals. Um, one of the animals that my friend was hunting one time when we were down there was called a, a scimitar oryx. And so, in like the 1800s or something, you know, they would brought it over to Texas to raise for the for these hunts. And then when all the Libyan civil war stuff went on and is still going on, but obviously there were big food shortages. So everyone, they hunted that animal to extinction in Libya because you don't really care. If you're not eating, you don't care about the endangered laws, right? You just, you're like, oh, look, food. Um, And now in certain parts of Libya where it's a little more stable, they've actually reintroduced the deer from, or not deer, but oryx, but from deer back into Libya. And so it is cool to get to, to see all those animals. And I guess there is some sort of value in having those animals raised. They're raised to be hunted, right? So people are going to have disagreements with them. But, you know, by nature, the fact that they're raised to be hunted, they're being kept alive. Yeah. Five important
0: questions. Five important questions. Five important questions. What would you say is your greatest success in life? Oh, definitely uh,
1: getting on one knee with Lauren, and then I guess the fact that she said yes might have been the success, <laughs> yeah. but, or maybe it was the fact that yeah, I asked in the first place. It, well, yeah, not a success. I don't know.
0: It does take some courage to
1: I was no, um, oh, that was a whole ordeal when that happened. I mean, a good ordeal, but just from a planning perspective, it was horrible. But it, it was a perfect moment. Yeah, it makes it makes for a good story. Yes, <laughs> it was exciting, but yeah, it did not go the way I had planned. But I wouldn't change a thing.
0: So how did it go? Since I've already mentioned that it makes a good story, you should probably actually tell the story.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I had gone, there's a Cedar Ridge Park, it's a park uh, in the Arlington area, and I had gone there a couple days beforehand, and we had been there several times. And so I had scouted it out. You know, it's a public park, there's going to be other people, but I tried to find spots that are off the path and whatnot where we could have a, a little bit more of a private moment. And so I remember we got there Saturday morning, and I don't know if maybe that park is just incredibly crowded Saturday morning or maybe there was some event going on. I still don't know. Point is, I couldn't get in. Um, there's like a mile long, it seems like a mile, probably a quarter mile, half a mile long road into the park. And then the traffic or stopped up traffic was actually then going maybe a quarter mile on the main street that it connects to. And so when I pulled up there, it's like, there's no way we're getting into this park today. I had to get this thing done because I had all of our family back at home scheduled. Like, we're going to be home at 2. Everyone's, like, surprised. And so uh, I was thinking, okay, well, there's a state park that's about a mile down the road. I've never been there. But, you know, state park, big open area. I'll find something. It will work. And so I pull up to the state park and go to the little uh, desk thingy or office, whatever you call it. And they go, do you have a reservation? And I said, no. And they go, well, we're only allowing 500 people a day into the park, so you have to have a reservation. And at this point I wanted to throw up I mean my heart sunk I was just because I didn't know where else in the area to to go um and so I pulled back onto the main street and just turned down the road and i I didn't know where I was driving at this point I was just driving like I was trying to play it cool as if nothing was fall you know yeah. as if as far as I was concerned like my world was falling apart right there um or at least it seemed like it Lauren pointed out, oh, hey, look, there's like a parking lot here, and it was, I don't know, maybe a mile from the state park. It was basically, there's like the highway, and the state park's off the highway, and the state park is where all the cool nature stuff is, and off the highway, there's like a bike path. And so we started just kind of walking down this bike path on the side of the the highway, basically. And I think Lauren was getting frustrated, too, because she just wanted to hike. She had no clue telling what was going on. She just wanted to hike. Yeah. And so there was a little bridge we were passing over, and there was a dry creek down below it, and... She looked at it and goes, like, well, let's just hike up the dry creek. I was just dejected at this point. So I was like, sure, fine. And then we walked down to the creek, and it was actually a kind of cool little area. And I was thinking, you know what? This isn't what I thought of, but, hey, I'll take it. You know, it's private. It's off the road. It's in nature. You know, we're hiking, having fun. Like, something's going to – it's working. And so we went hiking for a little bit. And then when we turned around and on our way back, uh, you know, Lauren had got ahead of me. And it just, like, walked up the hill back to the main road. And, and I'm thinking – well, I got to get her back back yeah. down. Um I was just trying to like Oh, look at this rock. Look at th-. I was acting uh-huh. stupid. Yeah. I was just trying to get her, you <laughs> know, down. There's like a little opening in the creek. So I got her like 3 steps down the side of the hill. And that was as far as it was going. She was not coming the rest of the way down. So I just got on one knee right there and it was wonderful. And every I like, as much as it did not go to plan, it was amazing. What is your greatest fear? And I I think I really fear, like, kind of being alone. I remember when I was in college, I remember thinking one day, I'm like, something could happen to me, and I could just be in my apartment for for days. I think I, like, cracked my neck one time, just. And normally you just crack your neck and it pops and you're good, but this one, like, sh- sent, like, a shiver down my spine, and, like, I just kind of felt stunned for a couple seconds. And I remember I was thinking, well, like, what if I, like, broke my spine or something and couldn't move? It might be like a week or two before somebody comes to check on me, right? I, it's like I had nothing planned with friends where they might wonder why I'm not there. You know, I wasn't really talking with my parents a ton. So, like, you know, they'd call like once a week. And so maybe if I missed the call, they'd text me. And after like two or three days, they might get worried. But, you know, I just – I wasn't keeping in touch with anyone really where I realized like something could happen. And, like, there there's nobody that would know. And, I, obviously, I had a whole bunch of people in my life that cared. But I wasn't – uh Interacting with them at all, and uh, and I think that was probably uh that was like one of those moments where I was like, I need to to change what I'm doing because this is not a I, I don't enjoy where I'm at. Right? It's just kind of I was sitting there going, there's tons of people who would like are willing to pour into me and like do life with me and stuff, and I'm not taking any of them up on the offer. I'm like, I, I need to stop sitting in my room playing video games all day because that's not getting me anywhere. And so, yeah, kind of just that – but that that like fear of kind of that loneliness, I guess, has kind of stuck with me a bit. So I say a bit. I mean, it is probably one of my bigger fears.
0: Yeah. That's a – uh that's a pretty – I won't say universal, but I think, yeah, most people definitely yeah, –
1: That's almost like a kind of a human condition fear. You know, people
0: want to be with other people, so – if you could tell first day a pointer rental Ben one piece of advice that would lead to becoming a successful pointer, what would you say? I,
1: I feel you really need to get to know people. Like I said, on the dev- everyone on the development team is really cool. And obviously, there's what 150 hundred. There's a lot of people at the company now. You can't know everyone, yeah, or at least like on a personal level. But you know, find the people on your team and and get to know them because. You know, real, I think, does a pretty good job of hiring cool and interesting people. Or maybe just all people are cool and interesting. I mean, one of those maybe. two, so.
0: Okay, what is your most embarrassing moment as a Pointer? Oh,
1: probably that whole three or four month period where I wanted to ask Lauren out, but oh. I didn't. And I awkward- everyone in marketing probably thought I was that weird dude who was always hanging around marketing.
0: I don't think that we were sure. I think there was definitely a while where it, it's like, are they dating. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that you've been sentenced to death as apparently wanting being embarrassed to ask someone out for a while is now a capital offense. Yeah, I, I didn't give you a very good embarrassing lead in. <laughs> yeah. Which means a lot of people are dying in this scenario. <laughs> what is your last meal and why? Hmm. Oh, I feel like just tons and tons of bluebell. Okay. I was going to say, are you going to have to choose? It's like you have to choose between Chick-fil-A and your own food. And then you went with a third option. I wasn't yeah, expecting.
1: Yeah, well, I've always thought that, you know, if you get to that age in life, you, like, I don't know what it, with technology, who knows what it will be. But I think at that point, I just want to be like, I'm going on a bluebell and bacon diet, and that's all I'm eating f- until my diet kills me.
0: So you're doing this five-gallon of bluebell. What What flavor are you Ooh,
1: going What's it called? It's the Butterfinger flavor, but they obviously they call it something else for copyright reasons. Buttercrunch, I think, is what it's called. It's a pretty good flavor. I highly
0: recommend it. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Was this on the question list earlier? Maybe I didn't
1: read the whole question list earlier.
0: Well, it is the second number five, so perhaps you decided to stop reading at five because you thought it was five important questions. But actually what we do is have like 11 questions, Oh. and then I can remove the answers I don't Exciting.
1: like. Exciting. Um, things I would like to change about myself. I have a... I, I like to think that I have a decent memory, but as far as like when there's instructions given to me, I cannot remember for my life what those instructions are. I mean, I could be told to do two things and I would turn around and I, I don't know what those two things are anymore. And so if I could just have the ability or like change it, like just being able to remember like those lists or names, right? Name, names are the same way. I remember My dad could remember like basically every person's name that he ever talked to. It was like crazy. Um. And meanwhile, you know, I've met my neighbor at our new house. Like, I don't know. He's very nice. I'm not totally sure of his name.
0: Tell me a secret about a point of rental.
1: So we have a dartboard now, and I guess this is a secret to a lot of people because, like, you don't know this if you haven't been in the office. So somebody put up I I don't know who. Um. You probably don't want to reveal your name, whoever did that, because there are so many <laughs> holes in the wall from all these darts. So whoever put the dart board up should probably... It was not me. I'll say that. But they should probably keep their name a secret because I, that wall is just
0: getting beat to shreds. Uh, what is your spirit spice? Spirit spice. Oh, marjoram for sure. All right. Well, thank you, Ben, for chatting today. I guess I can give this wedding my blessing. Uh. So send Ben some love this week. Send him an email with your favorite sausage recipes. Maybe a gif of your favorite ice cream. And just be epic and let him know that you care. Thanks for listening today. We'll keep the porch light burning for you. I am in way over my head. I won't force you to be held in some weird cell where you can't contact anyone, so don't worry about that.
1: I'll just have to keep inviting random people over. I want my meat. Wayne coming into the office is good for my health. I go straight for the meat. You can make a little sandwich, so you put a cheese it on top, an animal cracker in the middle, and a cheese it down below. It's like the perfect salty, sugary crunch. Even in crackers, you're still having like a meat sandwich. I don't find that my meat has that taste. I mean, you can always bring me a Mountain Dew. I'll appreciate it. Inject the meat all over. OK, well, I'll start over again.